Hey, you know the promo code is DANGLE. 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Let's start the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Dangle Podcast, powered by Sports Interaction, Canada's Sportsbook. The Steve Dangle Podcast, with your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. So I want to start the show with an apology. Um, you know, at the SDP, the show, and at SDPN, we have always wanted to build an environment that welcomes everybody. Uh, no matter your background uh, or um, your orientation or your gender, um, any other designation, right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's supremely important to the three of us. And last episode, you know, we talked about that. And, and at the end of our conversation, there's about a two minute block where we really fucked up. I really fucked up. And uh, I want to address it now. Um, and I want to tell you how... Uh, what I've learned from it. Uh, but firstly, uh, I want to apologize. Uh, I want to say that if you are uh, a member of the community or you're not a direct member of the community or an ally of the community and you were hurt by the things that were said on this show, I am terribly sorry. Reading the comments yesterday, um, it, it's, it was so gutting. And, and, and it's because it was like the antithesis of what we set out to do. And sometimes... Sometimes you've got good intentions and you really fucking blow the execution. And I really blew the execution. Um, I want to, I want to read this tweet out because I thought um, this sort of summed it up perfectly. This is from uh, uh, Janelle less than three. She said, Hey, Adam Wilde, can you explain what you meant by exclusionary here? I was talking about Stonewall and the riots there. And, and I said, it has quote too much importance. Um, and, uh, and she said that comes across very poorly and it seems like you're getting your perspective from, from some questionable sources. And I responded, I said, absolutely. Can you let me do it on the next pod though? Because, um, you know, I, I find that Twitter is very difficult to be nuanced, right? It's sort of, you got 280 characters. That's it. There's no possible way that you could possibly say all the things you want to say. And obviously there were far more problems than this with what I said, 
but I think this is the first one. And I, I, when we set out, my whole goal here was to do profiles as a straight white dude doing my homework, do profiles, illuminating members of the community, past and present, who have changed the world that you might not know about. And the challenge put for me, before me, because I said I wanted to do this, and the people that I spoke to at this company uh, and my friend group said, listen, if you want to do that, fine, but A, you better be prepared. You better make sure you get it right. And I didn't yesterday, and, sorry, on Wednesday, and you better make sure that you go beyond Stonewall. It's not that Stonewall isn't important. What I said was that too much importance is placed on it. Absolutely fucking not. Absolutely not. That is wrong. It's an extremely important event. But sometimes um, the way it was explained to me was it's like, oh, Stonewall happened and now, now you know, we can all get married. And that was exactly what I wanted to avoid. I wanted to go dig deep on this. I, you know, when we talked about uh, throughout the other social movements that have happened over the course of this show, one of the things that we talked about and I think specifically during BLM, we talked about the fact that you're not supposed to lean on members of the community to explain to you these things. As in, you're not like if I need, if I need, um, uh, uh, if I need to have a conversation or I need to do some research on an issue that affects the black community, I shouldn't pick up the phone and go, Jesse, what do you know? Right. Right. It's about doing your own homework. And that's what I wanted to show with this. Um, and I was doing my own homework. and. Uh, um, and I, I completely misspoke. That's not how I feel about Stonewall. It's, it's just not. But I realized that what I said still hurt people anyway. And I realized that my apology may not be accepted by you. And, and I, uh, I am terribly sorry if at any point I ever made anybody feel less than included or wanted here. Because this is supposed to be, was supposed to be a celebration of pride of the LGBTQ plus community or in Canada, the 2S LGBTQ plus community because two-spirit is very important. It's a new de newer designation. I know some people were reaching out and going, why do you think that you could change the acronym? It was just what I was told that I should say because I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing it right. Um, and, uh, uh, and the other thing was, I mentioned something about people being excluded, exclusionary. And I think a lot was extrapolated about that. And I don't blame you for saying that because, uh, you know, whatever you took from that, I didn't say what I meant. And what I meant was, um, there are people that for a long, long time when it came to Stonewall were not included in the credit um, that was deserved for that riot taking place. And I'm speaking specifically about um, black trans women here. Uh, Marsha P. Johnson was the person that I was going to do the profile on today because I thought yesterday, I'm like, you know what? Maybe this is a good thing because I need to sit back, shut up and learn. Mm. And then maybe I can go forward with, um, you know, with doing these profiles. But, you know, what I overwhelmingly saw and, and you know, 100%, you need to do your homework. But I also saw people saying, what makes you think as a straight white guy that we want to hear this from you? And, you know, in my ignorance, in my avarice, yeah, I, I did not consider that. I thought, I thought, I'm like, okay, I'm, this is, this is going to be something that I, that I can contribute and that I can help with. But really, it needs to be about amplifying voices in, in the community um, 
And sometimes the best support you can offer is shutting up and standing back and letting someone else have the stage, right? And for me, um, one of the tweets that always sticks out in my mind is, have you ever considered just shutting the fuck up? <laughs> and I think it's my turn, you know, and I, I'm, I'm truly, uh, I, I, I've just gutted by anybody that I hurt. I'm so sorry. Um, and uh, I did not speak eloquently on the topic. I won't, I, I want to say this. I won't be, con I won't be continuing with the profiles because, um, because I, I agree. I think that we should amplify voices in the community and we will endeavor to do that uh, on this show because we do care. This It matters very deeply to us. Um, and beyond all that, um, I don't want to take away from the whole point of this, which was we wanted to have an initiative to tangibly help people. And we have a, a, a charity that we picked that we've asked you to donate to, that we're going to donate to, but we don't have a direct affiliation with them. I think some people thought that we like signed a deal and that we're under contract and we wouldn't, we're going to spurn any other charity. That's exactly the opposite of what I said on the last show. I said, like, whatever charity you want to go with, here's the one we use in case you don't, in case you wanted one. And, and the reason we like the 519 so much, I'm going to read a message from Phil Westlake, who is a, um, who's a longtime listener of ours. And who reached out yesterday and he said, uh, hello, sir. I hope you're enjoying the weather. I listened to the latest podcast. Uh, heard what you guys are doing with the 519 group. And we're not doing anything with them. They don't even know we're doing this. So, you know, but uh, I just wanted to say that as far as someone who t uh, turned to them for help, I can't say enough about them. In 2018, my transgender daughter was found dead under suspicious circumstances. And I was unable to make any progress into finding out what happened without counsel. So I reached out to the 519 group by email and within 24 hours, they had called me back and they had a list of advocacy groups and contact lawyer for info, uh, contact info for lawyers who had ar they'd already spoken to. And in my daughter's case, it went from being swept under the rug to a full coroner's inquest. And throughout the process, they kept reaching out to touch base with me. Uh, even had a reporter from the star do a small story on me to help bring attention to it. So I will definitely be looking into some of the merchandise and Obviously, our proceeds from the store are going to the, the 519 specifically. Um, uh, I'll be looking into some merchandise to help this great group of people. Uh, please keep in mind, it's coming from a parent who was completely overwhelmed by the loss of my daughter. Uh, and they were the first people I felt like truly cared. So again, I can't say enough about them. And uh, he, he specifically said um, uh, his daughter's name was Rachel. And the person that helped out uh, with the 519 group is Justin Kahn. And you know, this is what I wanted it to be about. A group like this, an organization like this, and um, what I said and how I fucked up took away from that. So I, I want to apologize one more time. There were so many things that I said wrong in that. Um, uh, and, and I'm sorry for any hurt that I caused, any misinformation. The episodes have been edited. Uh, that, that, that chunk is no longer on there because we don't want to perpetuate things that aren't true. And, um, I just appreciate you taking the time to listen to this. And, um, I understand that there are people who are, 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 um, are very upset with me today and I, I get it and you, you just, you're right. And I'm upset with myself. So, uh, thank you for allowing me the time. 
And I know, Jesse, you wanted to say something. Yeah, within that chunk there, I also need to apologize uh, for what I said. I was I was trying to add on to our comments about Stonewall, and it was idiotic, and it was wrong. And I, and I understand why people misconstrued what I said. I was trying to make an attempt to, because you were talking about the history of Stonewall and how we rethink it. And in my mind, I was like, I was trying to make a comparison. And I wasn't trying to say we rethink it. Like, that's the thing, right? Like, right. And I added on to fuck. that to that incorrect thinking and, and, and thing we put out there by, by saying, oh, it's kind of like how we, we rethink uh, the statues that we have. And we're trying to take those down and change history because uh, we're looking at it a different way. And that was, it was just a wrong comparison. Putting those, putting the racist statues in the same breath as Stonewall was wrong. And uh, quite a few people called me out for that. And I appreciate you doing that. And I apologize to you if I contexted uh, something that's so important like Stonewall with something uh, like racism and, and terrible acts and, and these statues. And that was, it was, it was the wrong thing to say in the moment. And and like Adam said, uh, our our intentions are to only uh, bring light to the positive things in the community. And we're going to hopefully do better. Oh, yeah. Uh, so so here's what we're going to do going forward. As I said, I'm, I'm not the one that you need to be hearing these profiles from. Uh, but I have a podcast. If you're interested, uh, one of my friends reached out yesterday and um, makinggayhistory.com and the Making Gay History podcast is one that you should check out. You know, like I said, do your research. I will continue to be, uh, but uh, in a less public setting. Um, and uh, and uh, appreciate you taking the time to listen. As I said, we're, we would love to, uh, you know, love to see a donation, whether it's through us or directly to them to the 519 or whatever local group you, you believe in and you think is great. Um, it's about helping people. And uh, we are, for those who reached out and said, why don't you have a trans voice on? You know, that was all part of the series, right? Um, we were going to have guests. We did say that. And Harrison Brown is going to join us next Wednesday. Um, I know that we have some other people lined up as well. So, um, you know, we're going to amplify those voices, uh, rather than our own. Thanks again. And we'll leave it at that. And, uh, oh, sorry. If, if I can add on, um, we're also doing some work that we're going to reveal later on. Uh, throughout the month with the Get Real movement. That's another um, uh, organization in Toronto. And they do have an event this Sunday uh, called Steps of Pride. It's down at the Pulse Pier if you're in the Toronto area. It's a free event. I'm going to be there. Um, I already got my ticket. So if you can attend, uh, that would be great. You can listen to some voices from the community speak on these issues. They have, they have six speakers there. Um, it's 5 p.m. If you can make it, um, I think they'd really appreciate it. And yeah, Get Real movement's another organization that um, would really appreciate appreciate your donations if you have some funds that you can send along their way okay so with that uh we take a really hard right turn and we talk about hockey as hard as that is so first off i do need i do need to ask steve uh uh you barely made it through the stream yesterday dude it was terrible thanks for this by the way i really appreciate it what being sick yeah oh yeah because i gave it to you <laughs> sorry i actually i don't know that for sure but, but probably oh. yeah man i uh I was I was doing a pretty good job last night during the stream and just fighting it off and coughing during during the whistles and and the TV breaks and then at the end of the game I just I couldn't finish the sentence man I couldn't finish the sentence so now you could hear my node and that's why I got this Kleenex box so, in front so of me be blowing noses throughout the, the show can yeah I'll try to do it as quietly as possible Oh man! Imagine me blowing this nose for some <laughs> guy. That's that's gonna be a tough Friday. I hope you uh, pull off the mic when you do it. So so like, listen. I woke up this morning and I I it's like we blinked and the Oilers are down two nothing in the series. Like it just Seriously. 
You know, I, I just, unlike game one, though, this wasn't really close. And I thought Shayna Goldberg put, put something really, um, really good together for the athletics. She said, teams have a tendency to fall into a defensive shell when they have the lead. And the defense only line of thinking can be too one dimensional and really um, challenge an opponent. It allows a trailing team to only think about how to thread the needle offensively instead of keeping it on its heels. The Avalanche forced the Oilers into the ladder. They forced them. They, they kept, they scored and they kept on pushing. They scored and they kept on pushing. Even when it's three, nothing, they're pushing for four. Oilers couldn't generate a shot. Couldn't generate a shot. Like it was, it was pretty even. I thought when it came to shots, when it came to chances and, um, those three goals, I think it was in 164 seconds as CJ pointed out. I mean, that was it. That was it. And like, to me, that's the most sobering thing for Oilers fans it's that the magic they've had all playoff long, the ability to erase two, three, four goal leads in the blink of an eye, uh, they couldn't even get two, three, four shots. And give you McDavid's stat line for last night? He didn't look great. No goal, no assist, no points, minus one, two shots, 22-43 on the ice, and nothing else, zeros. He said after the game, he's like, I didn't. I don't think I had my best game. No, he he looked, there were some times where he looked like he was laboring. Um, I like anybody. I guess he's probably fighting something. Yeah, like like everybody. But I mean, another super sobering moment for uh, for Oilers fans. There was a moment where he was one on one with Kale McCarr, and he was attacking him, and he's skating forward, fastest skater in the world, against Kale McCarr, who's going backwards. McCarr kept up with him, no problem. Straight backed, poked the puck off his stick like it was nothing. I've never seeing someone handle Connor McDavid like that. And it was, it was that one play that sort of made me go, Oh, this isn't going to be game one. This isn't going to be game one at all. Jay Woodcroft juggled the lines. It did not work at all. And they really never got their groove back. So his decision in the first period to not play McDavid and dry together, I thought was odd. Because they showed the time on ice that they've had together throughout the playoffs in uh, throughout the Calgary series and in game one versus Colorado. And if you look here, it's game one. They played 1652 together at five on five. And by the end of the first period versus Colorado, they played 49 seconds together. And in every game uh, in the Calgary series, they played at least 10 minutes together. So was, was he saving them? for the next two periods because and then the next two periods went uh completely in the wrong direction for for the oilers well the first period was their best one right but it was the bad decision because you moved away from what it went what worked you won four out of five games in the calgary and almost won game one right and almost won game one back i think you overthought it you overthought it a little bit um i didn't think the oilers were playing poorly mike smith actually gave them a few really good saves um, I didn't think he had the worst game at all, um, if I'm being honest. Um, maybe not the best, but certainly not the worst. Um, I saw him try a line of Kane, McDavid, Hyman. Mm. And I looked at that and I said, that could work. That could work. I really like mm-hmm. that on paper. And then I saw them out there. And I'm like, this line it stinks. No. <laughs> like it, it didn't work at all. So listen, you're in the conference final. I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel. You're going back to Edmonton. You're going to have home ice. You're going to have last change. Go with what you know. Go with what's worked. And that's your best chance to beat Colorado. 
with with Colorado throughout that game, I thought like, okay, Franco's got a got a shutout. That's all great, but I feel good. I feel like Steve, if you were in net there, you would have had a good chance of stopping like the majority of those pucks. No, well, the maybe the majority of them. That's, Franco's had to make some big saves. He had to make like three. He had to make like three saves the whole game. No, this is a credit to Colorado's defense and the game they played. They yeah, played absolutely. such a tight game. There was there was one play that that like I think encompasses what what happened here. Nurse was coming down on a breakaway. Do you remember this play when Nurse had it? It was a the two, two on, on one. the two on oh, one and, and, the poke check. and the poke check. But the reason the poke check was there and that Nurse was in on the goal is that the defenseman there was just like I'm just gonna take out the other guy because that's a defenseman coming up. That's dark. On those. And to make that play in such a split second, it's just, it's great team defense by Colorado. And they played that all game long. And I think it was such an easy win for them. Well, it was also a defenseman making a choice for God's sake. Like that is, <laughs> if, if you ask people, uh, if, if you ask a hundred people, you'll get 50 on one side, 50 on the other. You take the shooter or you take the passer. I cannot stand when I see a defenseman playing a two on one and they just sort of uh, stand there waving their stick around. That's nothing. Well, you're supposed That's to. That's a two on zero. You're supposed with decoration. To, you're supposed to pick the puck carrier as as the de, as the defenseman, or you're supposed to tie up the other guy so at least the puck carrier can be. Um, uh, most of the time, you pick the other guy. Let the puck carrier and the and you know try to yeah. try to angle them off. Both of those are decisions, but you make a decision. You don't sit in the middle. Yeah, and and the, the, I think the split second decision to not take Nurse and let Nurse and Francois battle it out, and then Nurse gets poke checked was a genius. Yeah, it was a very nice play. And all game long, they made those little plays every single time the Edmonton Oilers had the puck. That it wasn't competitive. There was a Colorado moment dominated. There was a moment where I thought my ability could have been compared to Franco's. Mm. And that's when he uh, gave the puck away to Cody Cece and it almost <laughs> led to a goal. When he, was, when he was five feet from the net? Dude, why? Why? <laughs> what, for the purpose of what? I, like, that was maybe the most confusing play of the game. And you brought up Nurse. He had a tough night. He's hurting, though. That's what uh, I got from Oilers. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I, well I, he probably he is. Um, down goes Brown, put him on his um, all bad playoffs team. So he's, he's down goes wow. Brown is putting together a That's list of, of like the, the worst performances from good players. And These are just the best them. players in the world. You I don't rank them by worst. Well, I think he's doing it for fun, tongue in cheek. But it's yeah. you know two goals, two assists, big extension next year. He's like, well, he's got to play better. And I, I mean, listen, I, I don't know if Nurse is the guy you want to point tough. out. I think it's team defense. Colorado had forty shots, guys. Yeah, and Mike Smith allowed a shot or allowed a goal every ten shots. I think that's pretty fair. And I think that's fair. And the Oilers were, uh, it was it was some of the best defense I've watched in these playoffs. Every time the Oilers attacked, it seemed like they were outnumbered. They would skate into this wall of Colorado players, and then more Colorado players would come up from the back and take the puck. That was what? What are you guys playing with? Eight dudes? It's like getting swallowed? Oh right? yeah, yeah. And there was no. No room for Edmonton to get their their breakaways and their rushes. They uh, they did get a small handful, like like the uh, mm -hmm. the nurse one that they, was poke checked. They're neutralized. Colorado yeah. was amazing, and and you know there was a great Pooley RV chance in front. Uh, it was a fortuitous bounce. Puck squirts to him. He just completely misses the net. And I think about that. And I think about those moments and I'm like, were the Oilers as far off as I remember? And then I think about Kadri missing high and wide at, at least twice. Um, McKinnon, McCarr, like the Avs had so many glorious opportunities. 
And apart from the big saves that they made Mike Smith make, the amount of times the Avs narrowly missed a wide open net, that game should have been way farther out of hand than it was. Um, I want to I want to put a little uh, a little spotlight on Nazem Kadri because Leaf fans are just going crazy, uh, going, "Well, we shouldn't have traded him." Um, three, CC's in the final four too, guys. Yeah, so, so was Barry. So was Barry. Uh, three like, primary assists in a few in uh, in a, just within a few minutes. I think one of them was we thought it was his goal and it wasn't. Yeah, I got tipped. Um, but oh, the Lekkonen one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and this is again Shana Goldberg, who's fucking amazing. And she said, along with the three the three points, he generated eight shot attempts in all situations. Seven were scoring chances. And with Colorado, with him on the ice, Colorado had 16 to seven in terms of attempts. Like they were, Jeez. you know, and, and this is the thing is that she's like, listen, that what's happening is that the Oilers are trying to match McKinnon. They're trying to match up against McKinnon, which they should, but it's leaving a ton of room for Kadri to kind of come in and not do whatever he wants, but do a heck of a lot more than he normally would get to. Well, and, and that's the thing, right? Like, uh, it's not uncommon for a team's best players to be neutralized in the playoffs, but everyone else has to step it up. And that's what happened for Colorado. Like, you know who's having a good series? At least visually. I don't know what the numbers are. JT Comfort. Yeah. He's, he's all around it. He's all around everything. Uh, Nikola Obey-Kubel coming in to the lineup with the Burakovsky injuries on the third line. Um, and, uh, you know, replacing a dude who blocked a big shot. He blocks a big shot. Like, you know, they're, they're down Sam Gerrard. They should be more dominant than they currently are. Uh, man. By the it's way, it's a scary team. I'm quoting Shayna Goldman. For some reason in my mind, I had said Shayna Goldberg or something like that. So I apologize. Oh. Uh, Shayna, hey, Shay. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about, right? So, I just, I just, I might, I'm a little, as you can imagine, a little. Frazzled? Yeah. Every, every time you said her name, I was like, I didn't know that was her name. Because <laughs> I just knew her Twitter handle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, I follow her. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. No, good work. Good. Yeah. Okay, cool. What did you guys think of? Uh, I love the Franco's um, chant at the game at the end of the game. That was great. Mm-hmm. But I I loved even more Jared Bednar's reaction to being asked whether or not he'd start because if Darcy Kemper is um, is healthy, he's the starter. Supposedly, it's his vision. Really, he, he suffered some sort of injury. He got hit in the mask or something in the first round, and uh, some. He he wasn't totally confident in his vision partway through game one, so he took himself out of the game. Wow. Yeah. Well, I think uh, they did ask him, like, if he's ready, who's going in? And he just kind of smirked and he said, no decision's been made. <laughs> you know, I thought that was very funny. It is, it is. But uh, with Franzos, I saw some talk about his numbers. His career playoff numbers are poor. His regular season numbers were very good. And his playoff numbers this year have been so-so. But if you look at the games where he started, uh, he started game two against Nashville. It's a 2-1 win for Colorado. So it, it, it sort of made me think about what, what I, I, I don't think NHL.com keeps this stat, but we should really isolate goaltender statistics uh, from games where the goalie comes in in relief and games where the goalie starts. Because those are enormously different situations. And Pavel Francouz, as the backup goalie, is going to have to come in in relief. And those are tough situations, and you're usually already getting caved in, and your numbers probably aren't going to be very good. His starting numbers are great. He's, mm. You start Frankie, he's going to win you most games. He's going to 
probably stop the vast majority of the shots. He's not going to allow shitty ones. He's, he's going to give you a chance to win every time he gets in there. You know, when we were growing up, and maybe this is just me being young and not really paying as much attention, I can't remember major goaltenders ever leaving a game, right? Like, maybe Patrick Wall once or twice, maybe Martin Brodeur, Dominic Hashik, never. Pulls were pretty rare unless the team you cheer for had Mike Keenan behind the bench. Right, and then you pull, and then he pulled everybody. Everybody. Ed Belfour should be in the Hall of Fame twice because he put up good numbers despite getting pulled and half Mike Keenan. <laughs> if I'm ever commissioner, one of the first things I'm going to do um, during my first week on the job is allow goalies to take warm-up shots before they yeah. start the game. Like 30 pitchers, seconds or a minute. Pitchers in baseball, when they come into a game, they get fucking half an hour to throw as many balls as they want at home plate. You know, they get to warm up their arm. They're, they're doing it in the bullpen, first of all, and then they go to the mountain and they got to do it again. Give the goalie, like, I don't know if you, if you want to run out a player to just take penalty shots, just a couple slap shots on him. If you have a, like a coach behind the bench who has a stick and his skates, if you want to throw him out there, but allow the goalie to warm up before the game starts. I, Why is he going in cold? I agree with that, but there needs to be a fail safe to prevent like some sort of, like, I, I, I can just imagine Roger Nielsen being like, yes, that's a great idea. And then just to get infinite timeouts, he changes goalies 20 times in a game. Right. Uh, well, put in put in a rule about changing the goalie, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, we'll put we'll put that in. Thank you. This is why See? we will have a, a committee. Yeah. We will not just be a yeah, solo commissioner who runs it all as a, as a dictator. We will have a little group. I will happily be your yes man. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bill <laughs> <Right>. Daly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll be the dude who, oh man, when I show up, everyone's so stoked to see me. Yeah, high fives. Oh, high five. Yeah, I was carrying donuts. Oh man. <laughs> I would, oh, let's, I already do that. Anyways, so. allow goalies to warm up. It doesn't, it doesn't make Just sense. Just one time. Once both goalies have been in the game, yeah. warm, one, warm the other one up. It's no, yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. Take and some like, shots on them. I'm, I'm just imagining you. a goalie coming in in a game in Nashville in relief, like as the visiting team. Oh, and the other teams warming them up. And every time, you know, a shooter comes in, the fans, oh, and then the shooter actually scores and they go, hey, and And like you can, it's a perfect time for a TV commercial. Yeah, because that's all you need. They want more of those. Oh, they certainly do. (laughs) Why not? They're stacking them. So I, I, uh, I'll take uh, your word for it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's right. You don't see those. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, um, I think, I think you're right, Jesse. Uh, I also think that, um, uh, I think the Oilers are in a bit of trouble here. And I felt like after game one, I'm like, this team can come back from anything. And then I, and then you know, you're seeing last night, you're like, Ooh, if Colorado keeps that up, that's a problem. And here's the, here's the worst problem. Are you ready? Yep. The avalanche are five and oh on the road. These playoffs, they are 15 and four in best of seven series when taking it to nothing late. Now, does it matter that they're 15 and four? Because most of the players playing in the team weren't as a part, part of most of those 15 on four, but I mean, 5-0 and on the road in the playoffs so far. They're bound to lose on the road at some point. Yeah. But, eh. The thing that scares me, too, about Edmonton and Colorado is that Edmonton wasn't... Uh, when they were coming back in the third, what did they do? They took two dumb penalties. It was the too many men on the ice and then the Zach Cassian interference on Bo Byram. Like those, those two penalties were, were when you have this chance in the third, okay, we're, the game's not over. Maybe if we get a quick one, we could still be in it. And then, and then in the first period, the one where you said they had their best period, 
they had three penalties. They mm-hmm. were on the PK that whole period. And Colorado including a five on three. That was a big kill. Yeah, and Colorado didn't capitalize, but you're not gonna you're not gonna have a, a great game if you're always on the penalty kill. To add on to what you said, I was checking the NHL player safety account to see if Landeskog got anything for hitting Yamamoto. Yeah. And the only thing tweeted twenty minutes ago, Edmonton Zach Cassian has been fined twenty five hundred dollars for unsportsmanlike conduct during last night's game against Colorado. Uh I'm gonna take it a step further. Like uh, what he did to uh who was the player who got hit into the bench byram when, yeah it was because it was <laughs> there was a coincidental minors when you took a dude yeah what was that <laughs> well, well what was byron supposed to do first of all i don't know what bowen byram did <laughs> second of all i'm sorry if you take a penalty from the bench if you on the bench touch a player on the ice you should be kicked out of the game like i'm not saying mm. it needs to be a five minute major and your team needs to be down for all that time I'm not saying that that's over the top, but you're on the bench. You're touching someone who's on the ice. Get out of the game. That shouldn't be a hard rule to follow. Is that the rule? I guess it's not. I, I guess no. I guess it's not. He was still in the game, right? Was, I can remember when Darcy Tucker like attacked the Sens bench in the playoffs. Yeah. He's oh. like, I, I'm going to just throw fists at five different people at the same yeah. time. There should be a, probably a rule where if you're on the ice, you can't punch someone on the bench. <laughs> right. Like yeah. th- those two groups of players should never under any circumstances interact. And if you do, it should cost you your night. It should 100% cost you your night. I saw Cassie do that. I'm like, what, what are you thinking? What if it was a four minute penalty instead of a two? Because, like, here's, you could make the argument, uh, if the ref wanted to, it could be a delay of game. Yeah, it should be some sort of misconduct. Like, it, it just... Uh, and, well, and so Woodcroft wasn't playing Cassian, because I don't think he trusts him enough. And then Yamamoto is taken out of the game because of that hit from Landeskog. And guess who's replacing him? Yep, Zach Cassian has to move up the lineup. I saw him take a few shifts with, I think he had one... I don't know about McDavid, but he had some with Dreisaitl and he was out there with Kane. And that's uh, if Yamamoto can't come back for game three, that's a real tough position for Edmonton because the depth while improved. Oh boy. Oh boy. Might be uh, Dylan Holloway time. Ooh, really? That might be exciting though. I like that. (laughs) Those are good stories. Absolutely. They, well, they obviously need a shot in the arm, right? And they Mm -hmm. need a little bit of help because I, I it's it feels so silly to see to say Edmonton needs help generating offense because I do remember game one just happened <laughs> um, but and, they, and they're probably coming out as Jesse mentioned with McDavid Dreisaitl yeah it's 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 like you know we talked about you know Tampa uh, you know they lose game one of the playoffs five nothing they eventually figured it out and won that series that's why I'm not too worried about how they're going to handle New York um Good teams figure it out. And we were watching in real time Colorado figure out the Edmonton Oilers and a team that was losing got worse and worse and worse as the night went. That is a boa constrictor of a team and underrated defensively, man. That's a, I'm not going to lie. This is going to be tough for Edmonton. This is going to be real tough. Uh, it's what makes Sunday night so interesting. Oh, sorry, Saturday night. Saturday, 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 Saturday p.m. Hockey Day Canada. Uh, while we're here, can can we go back for a little to your Zach Cassian on the bench uh, taking off Byron's helmet penalty? Because because the N- the NBA a while ago, like half a decade ago or more than a decade ago, they implemented a if you leave the bench, 
you all get an automatic one game suspension. Oh. So if you step foot on the court, you're suspended for one. Game. I think it, they implemented oh, in the that. NBA. Yeah, after the Malice in the Palace. And then uh, in the 2000, I was trying to look it up here. It was the 2007 uh, playoffs. The Phoenix Suns were playing um, the San Antonio Spurs. And there was a little scuffle on the court. Steve Nash got hit in the face. And then Amari Stoudemire took like a foot onto the court after Steve Nash got like punched in the face. And he got a one-game suspension. And then San Antonio ended up winning the series because Amari was out. And I feel yeah. like there's these, okay, these crazy consequences. But I'd like to see that rule as well in the NHL. I'd well, like to see if you touch a guy from the bench and he's on the ice, the one game suspension. You can't do that. Yeah, like I and like listen, did Cassian hurt Byram? No. But there should be zero interaction between those two groups of players. Did you react to him reacting to the call and the jumbotron? Oh yeah, he was laughing. <laughs> he was wait, Cassian or Byram? Cassian. Oh, when I don't remember like, that one. What 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 do you mean? What's the call? Oh, I was laughing the, at Byron asking the same question yeah. because genuinely, what did he do? Yeah. But, and uh, Byron's reaction was amazing as well. It yeah. was very funny. Man, I was asked at the beginning of the game, who's your breakout player for this series? And I was, I was really overthinking it. And I'm like, ah, I like the way Newhook skates and uh, Bouchard. I really like the way he uses his shot. And the more that game went on, I'm like, what kind of an idiot doesn't answer Bowen Byron 10 times out of 10? God, he's he's real good for that team. Only getting better. Yeah, and you Too bet forget. he can't keep his helmet on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Provided he can keep his helmet on, yeah. he's, he's really good. Like, yeah, uh, teams figure it out. Uh, not just throughout series, but throughout games. And we're watching. You know, uh, it's it, not everything works like it does in video games, where Byram has yeah. these stats for this season, and then he improves over the <laughs> summer, and he has these stats for this season. No, it's a it's a gradual process that it takes part over his human life, and uh, man, he's gotten better and better and better, and he's really hitting his stride. He's playing his best NHL hockey. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So the New York Rangers embarrassed the Lightning in the first game of their playoff series. The Lightning will never come back from this. We're, we're, too bad we've never seen this happen before. The yeah. Lightning are cooked. By the way, I'm not trying to minimize what the Rangers did in game one. That was extremely impressive. Uh, but let's, let's not go writing off the Lightning, shall we? The Lightning are like um, a boxer that is known for taking a couple punches in the first couple rounds. And then figuring out your style. And then all of a sudden, game three, game four, game five, they come back swinging hard and they've figured out all your weaknesses. That's, that's what they did in Toronto. Like they, I mean, listen, it was a close, close series, but they figured it out pretty damn quick what Toronto was doing. 
So they they let the Leafs get to seven rounds for the pay per view buys. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Are you are you maybe. saying that that series was maybe Mayweather McGregor? It. Yeah, it could have been. It was How a Jake you? Paul fight where it's all rigged. All rigged. <laughs> Aren't they? Are they actually rigged? No, but he chooses his opponents rather carefully. He's very smart. Is how we'll put it. PR person for sure. <laughs> um, I'd like to see him fight a fighter his age. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> <laughs> so we know the odds for, we know that, you know, knowing the odds for what happened uh, with the Rangers and the Lightning, um, Lightning still being favored. Do you give them this game? They win tonight? Well, so I thought there might be a little rank rust there for the Lightning in game one, and there super was. Got six on Vasilevsky. Got to be feeling good about yourself. Winning two straight against the Tampa Bay Lightning is something no one has done for, what is it now, 18 games? Mm -hmm. 17 games? So the Rangers need to do something no one has done since, like, what, 2019? 2020? When was the last time the Lightning lost back-to-back playoff games? That's a good question. It might have been the sweep it was against the, Columbus. It was the Columbus sweep. Whoa, that's, that's the last time. Pre-COVID? Yep. Pre-any bats? That was the last time the Lightning and Vasilevsky lost back-to-back games. Good luck. Wow. New York does it tonight. It ends. You think so? Yeah. They're it's got to end eventually. Why? You They're think too- New York's too good? Uh, also, the, the, the layoff, they looked rusty. Yep. And I don't think they, they get it back like automatically. Like it, it'll take them a couple games to get into this series, I think, for the Lightning. I think it's probably seven Lightning and seven, but I see the first two going to New York. And Madison Square Garden, underrated part of the New York's uh, strategy against all of their opponents. It's become a barn oh, yeah. where the fans oh, yeah. are electric and you can hear it through the TV. Ecor's bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. I, I got to go to a game there. Oh, the fans. You want to tell the you story? Tried, though. <laughs> you tried. Oh, okay, yeah. So it's been a while since I told this story. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm, I've, I've never done this before and I'll never do it again. Um, my wife and I went to New York. I don't remember why. But I think we just wanted like a mini vacation. So we went there. We did all the New York shit. We're like, let's go to Carmine's. And then we went to Carmine's. We ordered one portion of something because they get, they bring it to you in a trough and they say, eat it, eat it big. And, and I said, oink, oink. And I did my best. Um, we went to a taping of, we went, no, it wasn't a taping. It was Jimmy Fallon does like a warm up. Oh, so like, um, he, they bring in a, an audience and we were part of the audience and he like tries jokes and we'll laugh and he'll be no. like, all right, check Mark. And we won't laugh and he'll be like, all right, just scrap that one. That one sucks. And yeah, so we, we went to that um, in the afternoon. And then I was like, you know what? We're in New York. And I want to see a Leafs-Rangers game. Because the Leafs happen to be in town. Kidding. That would have made a lot of sense. It was the Panthers. The pre-good and worth-watching Panthers. Nice. And I said, let's get tickets. And there was a dude outside MSG. Selling tickets. So I gave him 107 American dollars <laughs> for tickets that I found out when we walked into the arena were fake. <laughs> <laughs> and it oh, soured my entire trip. I spent the whole rest of the trip pissed that I, and like, 
This was a few years ago. I would be sad if I lost 107 American dollars now. I was a lot more sad yep. then. And uh, yeah, now I'm just going to buy real ones. You ever heard of Ticketmaster? <laughs> and go see a hockey game in one of the most historical buildings on the continent. I just, it's an impressive I felt so building. so stupid. It's an impressive building because there's like many floors on it too. Like yeah. it's, here's, here's a hockey rink and here's this and here's that. And you're like, holy shit. That's man. how they're going to build Union Station. They were going to throw the ACC uh, on the second level of Union Station. I wish they had. The, the train station would have been uh, the uh, the upper level and then on top of it would have been the ACC, I think. They would or it would have been be under, I forget. It. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, they moved away from that. Well, uh, you and you wouldn't have had like Leafs, Maple Leaf Square, right? Right. Yeah. No, it would have been, been a little different. But so whatever. I got scammed by that guy. But then someone goes, "Hey, that guy's in the coffee shop across the street. You should go confront him." Like a stranger said that, and I'm like, "Okay, this feels like part two of the scam." Yeah. Where I get beat up and robbed. Yeah. No, you don't no. go confronting somebody. That's a <laughs> yeah. terrible idea. No. Yeah. Although in, I'm not surprised if New York's country, like, "Hey, you gonna let someone do that to you?" Yeah. You, not in this town. That's New York. Yeah. yeah. You know what I want to do is uh, getting fist fights in a foreign country. That always goes super well. Get, thro get thrown into a jail in a country I don't belong to. Have to contact your embassy, no, that sort of thing. That was yeah. a New Yorker sending the Canadian to get his ass beat by another New Yorker. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, and I, and I did the stupidest thing where I wore a big... I didn't realize I was doing this, and I didn't do it on purpose, but I wore a jacket with a giant Canada on the back. <laughs> And what Americans don't walk around with big jackets with Canada on them. I, I honestly like I'm going to I'm going to like cosplay as an American next time I go to New York. So they stop trying to sell me everything. Adam, I have a very important question. All right. All right. Was the Canada jacket a free jacket from Nike? Oh, yes, it was. <laughs> it was? Yes, it freaking was. Jesse makes fun of me for wearing this very nice jacket just because I've had it for a very long time. <laughs> I don't make fun of you. It's <laughs> just funny. You do. It's just funny. It's a jacket from the 2014 <laughs> World Junior Team. I got it as a gift from Nike. It retails for like 600 bucks. There was an era from when I first met you till like four years into that period yeah. where all you wore was free gear you got from Nike. And most of it was because you did that thing with Nike and then it was like Because <laughs> part Canada of my pay Nike. was money that I could only spend at the Nike store. Right. But you Why didn't know, wouldn't I have Nike You didn't clothes? own any other clothes. No. Because <laughs> why would I pay for clothes? I, I have like a several thousand dollar voucher from Nike. It turned It turned you into a cartoon character. I don't care. Because they wear the same outfits all the time. Wow. So I have like your Arthur showing up every day in your yellow sweater. You know what? And people love him. <laughs> people love so Arthur. So there it is. You know? Oh, you know, people don't turn on LFR and go, Leaf Jersey again? That's true. It's what they've come you know to what? expect. I'm wrong. Yeah, <laughs> you are wrong. I have a black Nike jacket I got in 2009. Still looks brand new. Still fits. It's a great jacket. It is. It a is great it's fantastic clothes. They've made clothes that last because I've seen them throughout a decade on you. Goddamn right. Uh, Mika Zabinajad. Unbelievable. Mika Zabinajad. <laughs> That's a hell of a check. Turn into the, turn. <laughs> turn into the player that everybody expected him to be. That, you know what? People are like, listen, you got, you're awfully hard on Blackhawks about Panarin and Saad. But that brassard for Zabinajad, oh, y'all, it's, it's, all, it's it an all-timer. Right it's an all-timer. Looking it up right now. Yeah, everyone thought he was going to be. Yep. Not the Sens. Um, so the trade is, and oh, I wish, I wish they had who these draft picks ended up being. July 18th, 2016. I don't know what 
like, I don't know why the trade worked out this way. The Sens get a 2018 seventh round pick. Remember, this is 2016. They get a 2018 seventh round pick and Derek Broussard, who was at the time probably the better player at the time. The Rangers get a 2018 second and Mika Zibanejad, who is far and away the better player in the trade. And was very I, much, very quickly. I need to know I need to know who that 2018 it, second round pick I was. I got it right here. The second round pick that the Ottawa Senators sent to New York ended up in the hands of the Detroit Red Wings. The Rangers traded the pick for defenseman Brendan Smith in Ooh. 2017. The who Red still w- plays there. The Red Wings no, later he's, drafted... Uh, he's uh, Carolina. Oh, Carolina, sorry. The, the Red Wings later drafted Swedish center Jotan Berggren, 33rd overall in 2018. He currently plays with a team in the Swedish Hockey League. Well, whatever. Oof. It's a bad trade. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's unbelievable. It's a bad but, trade. <laughs> but they went to the conference final that year, didn't they? Uh, 2016. Oh, that was 16. The Sens you're talking about? No, that was, uh, that 17. was 2017. 17. So that was a year after. So they thought yeah. it's a pretty damn good team. Zibanejad could have got the most. He the could, yeah, he would have been a great he guy to build around. the double OT winner. You're right. You're absolutely it, right. It lends to what you were saying about Byram in that the progress isn't linear. It's not NHL. Like, it's going to take... It took Zibanejad a couple of years, and now he's fully formed. Now we see the full evolution, the third uh, rung of his Pokemon ev- evolution, and he is who he is now. He's a fucking fantastic player. You can't believe everything you hear about players, and I'll, t- I'll tell you what I've heard about Mika Zibanejad. And I heard this during the season he broke out. Remember, remember right before COVID, uh, there was a, it was a two horse race for the, for the goal scoring title mm-hmm. between, I think it was Matthews and Pasternak and Zabanajad was like back here. And then he went, and like he, he started to catch right up to them. He had a five goal game, um, you know, and like without the five goals, the Rangers lose. Like it was, it was a really high scoring game. But what I heard about him is hockey, he could take it or leave it. He doesn't really care. What do you mean? Like, he's just, he's really talented. Um, hockey is something he's good at, but he doesn't have a passion for it. He doesn't really care. <laughs> what? He, he, likes, he likes to DJ. Who is saying he doesn't <laughs> have a passion? He, like, supposedly he likes to DJ and he goes by DJ Z-Bad. And, David Guetta? Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and I remember being like, oh, that's a really interesting observation that's a really i didn't know that about mika zibanejad and now that he's like a star that story sounds an awful lot like elite hockey player has hobby which i think is totally fine i don't know i don't think it's allowed i don't know no uh, i don't i don't know so you brought up the 2020 season i was slightly wrong so, no but like i think you're wow. even more right because so uh ov leads the the shortened covid season at with 68 games played and 48 goals he's tied with pasta who also had 48 matthews ended with 47 dry 43 now in fifth place mika zibinajad had 41 goals he did it in 57 games oh my god (laughs) he did it in less games than everybody above him and he already had 41 goals and who knows what he would have hit if he'd finished the season and had been healthy okay here's Oh my good lord. Here's how he ended the season. Here's his game by game. Starting February 16th. Goal, 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 no goal. Two goals, one goal, five goals. Goal, goal, goal. 
He scored a goal in every game for, oh my God, and you could argue that it even starts before that. It basically came down to he had a somewhat slow start. Actually, no, the fuck he didn't. I don't know where this came from. I don't know where this came from that Mika Zibanejad could take or leave hockey. He was... Maybe he's just a guy who's super chill. And also, yeah. And also does stuff to get his mind off hockey, which dominates his life. Reminds me of another Swede, you know, that we hear so much about. From Calgary? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe, honestly. <laughs> like, Canadian, have you... Sorry, you're right. How many Swedes that, that you have seen or met are not either stoic or chill? Yeah, they're just, they're just not a Might very... Might be a cultural thing, right? Ex- excitable people. But it makes yeah. them bad at hockey. It makes them. It, make, it means they don't care about the game, right? And I don't want to. I don't want to paint with a broad brush, but like, it, uh, like I we've seen it with Nylander. They're like, oh, he's a different dude. Well, he's yeah, yeah. Well, and and to to be clear, I'm not comparing me because of Benjamin no. to William Nylander. No, but like he was uh, unbelievable that season. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was the best stretch of hockey of his career. And he, it's scary to think that he's getting better. Yes. Still only 26. God. Good Lord. What? It feels like he's been in the league forever. Let me check that. Maybe it's the age of that season. Oh, I think it's the age of that oh, season. Oh, yeah, yeah. Age of that season is 29. Okay. okay. I was yeah, about yeah, to yeah. say, that's, that's impossible. The, the number next to him is a 26, but that's when he was in 2020. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, 29. A couple other news and notes that we should get to. Uh, Tepe City Council... Uh, voted 5-2 in favor of starting the negotiations with the Coyotes about the new arena deal. So that is progressing. Cool. Good. Um, That's good news. The, the uh, government sports minister has ordered uh, an investigation into Hockey Canada uh, after the sex, uh, sex assault lawsuit was settled. So obviously Hockey Canada settled a sex assault suit. Uh, Rick Westhead has been reporting on this, broke the story, has followed up on it. We're planning to have Rick on yeah. uh, at earliest convenience, but he's shooting another story because he's Rick and he's busy, uh, but he's going to come on, explain where we're at. Um, yeah, so, we don't have a date for But that, what's going to be interesting is, uh, you know, Sheldon Kennedy said yesterday, like, release the report. Hmm. And all the executives are now going to have to submit and say, you know, to, to cross-examination on this. And I, I, think, I think there's a reckoning coming. Well, there was a very significant tweet, and it was Ken Campbell uh, tweeting that he had reached out to Kel McCarr's agent to ask if uh, you know there was any involvement in the investigation, uh, to which he said, I, Jesse's bringing it up, I don't want to misquote him, but he basically said, my client uh, had nothing to do with it. And it struck me, because it's not weird that he would say that about his client, and based on the criteria that Jesse and I outlined on that show, it wouldn't be Kale McCarr um, because if every player involved was CHL was a, a CHL based member of team Canada, which is what was reported through Rick's report in the NHL press release. Um, if that information is all correct, it wouldn't be Kale McCarr who played in NCAA. But what was significant about it is uh, Ken reaching out to an agent. The agent gave an answer so now what's to stop Ken or any other reporter from asking every other agent on the team? And I believe others have been asked. Uh, well, Ken wrote that he has reached out to the agent of each player on the 2018 Canadian uh, WJC team. So far, I've heard back from the agents of Kale McCarr, and I'm going to mess up this Jonah name. Jonah Gadjevich. Thank you. Who maintained their clients were not involved in the alleged sexual assault in 2018. I will update as I continue to hear back. 
And then he has uh, mentioned a few other agents, uh, like Kurt Overhart, the agent of Cal Foot, um, and that Cal Foot was not involved. And he's been checking off names and agents who he has re- has heard from, including uh, Darren Ferris and Victor Mete. Victor Mete, who wasn't there, he was one of the only members, if not the only member of that team who wasn't in town. Um, so wh- what I thought was fascinating about Kel McCarr's agent is he sort of you know, open the door for everyone to kind of have to give an answer on this. And turns out it was right. Wow. Well, it'll be interesting to see where this actually goes and how much we actually find out. Uh, Ken Hughes says the Habs have not made a decision on who they're drafting. Stop it. Sure. But one thing that I think he was very truthful about was that they don't know if Price is going to play, but he said they need to know by mid-July. Because they got to make some changes. Yeah, that's very fair. Like play ever again this season? I think I would think it's that like, like ever again. Well, I'm this sure ever again. Season, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I like. But I mean, he might only be able to answer this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. That's that's fair. Yeah, you know? it's it's. Listen, everyone's in a tough position there. It's it's an extraordinarily difficult decision for Carey Price to make. Um, but like, if you're Ken Hughes, you got a hockey team to run, man. And you got to know who your starting goalie is, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. And That's, you got to know what your cap space is. And you got to, yeah, like he's far too significant a part of the Montreal Canadiens for them to not have an answer on this. Yeah. Really tough position. 